Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yand, and today is day number two as we're talking about preparation for ministry, but also discovering what your ministry really is. We took up the story yesterday of Stephen. Today, we're going to take up the story of Philip. Two different callings, but yet both had the same preparation. Let's go to the Word of God and find out how you can prepare to hear the voice of God for what your calling is. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Began a series yesterday, that's just a two-day series, on finding your call in the Christian life and what's the prerequisite for it. And we talked yesterday about Stephen, and today we're gonna talk about Philip. These are the first two names mentioned of the seven that were chosen to just volunteer in the church, work in the church, and take over the uh, watching over of the widows in the church. And uh, just what were their, what did they need to do? And we're gonna find out the key thing was to be faithful, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of the Word of God. And so if you really wanna find your calling, understand this, Philip and uh, Stephen had two completely different callings. And Stephen, as we studied yesterday, was a teacher. And if you missed that, you missed half your life, but I think you can find on the archives because they're all found on YouTube. And so you can go back and find that. But again, we find Stephen there. And today we're talking about Philip, but literally the preparation is the same. There's not a different preparation for an evangelist or a teacher as which Stephen was a teacher. Philip's gonna be an evangelist, but you might be a prophet, a pastor, feel that call on your life. But literally preparation is the same in every case. We all have the same preparation until the Holy Spirit tells us what our calling is, and that's where he brings us and separates us out into those callings. So it comes back to this. Today, we're going to study Philip, the first evangelist found in the Word of God. But I want to go back to where the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost and take a look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. While you're finding that, our offer is the book of Acts and then also the book called Calling and Separation. And it's been a number one seller in our ministry for many, many years, because it just really comes down to this simple fact. If you have a call on your life, maybe you don't even know if you have a call on your life, you just know, well, maybe you know you have a call, but you don't know what it is. How do you start? And you start, as it talks about in Acts chapter six, just doing things around the church, being faithful, 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 not trying to butter anybody up, not trying to be faithful so you can get a promotion just because you love God and you love people and you want to take care of them. And when God sees that love for him and love for people, love for the word, love for the Holy Spirit, but just a faithfulness to serve, whether it's working with children or youth or, or cleaning toilets or vacuuming carpets or stacking chairs if you have to, or laying down chairs, whatever you have to do in the church, you're just faithful to do it. Then one day God will show you what you're called to do because this is it. In other words, preparation is the same for everybody, even though your callings might be vastly different when they come to you. Acts 1.8 says this, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And if you can in your Bible, underline the word Samaria because Philip is gonna be the one to take it into Samaria. In Jerusalem and in Judea, that was yesterday we talked about Stephen and Stephen right there in Jerusalem ministered to the Pharisees in the streets and they made him, he made him so angry. The Holy Spirit that was on him, the anointing of God, 
the knowledge of the word of God so angered them, they finally screamed out loud, put their fingers in their ears so they couldn't hear him anymore, then picked up rocks and stoned him to death. Now, today we're gonna find out that this part where it says not only Jerusalem and Judea, but in Samaria, that's what Philip's gonna do. He's gonna take the word of God into Samaria as an evangelist of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Philip took seriously the words of Jesus. He took the gospel past Jerusalem, past Judea into Samaria, and he also used to win the Ethiopian to the Lord and take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit used him in that case. He began as a deacon, just like Stephen, during a time of need in the early church. So let's go back to Acts chapter 6 and find out the roots of his calling in these verses of scripture. It's gonna be interesting as we talk about when he went to uh, the area there of Samaria, that really this began back with Jesus' ministry in John chapter four, where Jesus woke up one morning with his disciples and says, we need to go to Samaria. I mean, it's just, that's how he put it in the King James, needs go to Samaria. No, what he was simply saying was we have to go. This is important. And so when they went there, it was to save one woman who eventually saw the whole city saved. She was the key to the city. And of course, he led the woman at the well to the Lord. And then all the men came. She went back into town, brought everybody back out, especially the men. And she said, come meet a man that told me everything I did. Jesus operated in the supernatural word of knowledge. And so uh, all the men came out and there was a great revival that started in that city. And here he's gonna take up Philip is where Jesus left off. And this huge revival, it's going to affect the entire city of Samaria, but let's find out his background. Long before Samaria, he was just working in the church. Verse one through seven of Acts chapter six says this, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Bank on it, pastors. If your church starts growing, someone's gonna murmur, somebody's gonna complain. Why? Because their widows, this is the Greeks, the Greek widows were being neglected in the daily ministration or deaconing in the church. In other words, they were being taken care of, but oh, the Hebrew women were being taken care of better. And listen to me, although yes, this is racism, it was not intentional. The church was run by Jews. And so they were naturally seemingly favoring the Jewish women, but when brought to their attention, they immediately said, we need to correct this thing. Verse two, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples to them and said, it is not reason, it is not pleasing to God that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In other words, choose men to do this so we can keep doing what we do best and what we're called to do, keep praying and keep preaching the word of God. Verse five, the saying pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, this was our object yesterday, the subject of what we taught, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Philip, he was also full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. He helped by starting out with the deacons uh, as deacon, helping the widows in the church. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. We find out here it started in the church and began to spread into the streets. And all of a sudden, priests started being saved. 
And th- listen, this is something when priests begin to get saved. This is, listen, this is right up the par of Acts chapter two, whenever Peter on the day of Pentecost preached to thousands of devout Jews out of every nation under heaven, and 3,000 of them received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So it says a great company of the priests was obedient to the faith. Racism was one of the first problems in the early church, but it was handled by choosing men full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Philip was a Greek. He was a deacon who became the first evangelist. And the first evangelist, the Greek word for evangelist is euangelion, where we get the word evangelism from, or literally a spreader of the gospel. The word evangelist literally is good news, a spreader of the good news. So he's at the main office of the evangelist, the main responsibility of an evangelist is to preach the gospel to people, but also it comes through mighty signs and wonders. We're told in the last closing chapters of the book of Romans, especially chapter 15, Paul said this from Jerusalem, roundabout unto Illyricum. When I first came to Rome, he said, I have fully preached the gospel by signs and wonders. And what he was simply saying was, unless signs and wonders follow your ministry, you are not fully preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can you can spread it by mouth, and that is, again, spreading the gospel, but you're not fully preaching the gospel until signs and wonders follow you. And this is what happened uh, not only at Rome, but it handled also in Thessalonica. Uh, we find it in, in Galatians, whenever he went to Galatia, signs and wonders went before him. And this is how, again, the gospel was spread is by the healing of the sick, the raising up of the dead, uh, miracle signs, wonders, and the preaching of the word of God all working together. And of course, this brought many, many people into the kingdom of God. Take a look with me at Acts chapter eight. And let's start here with the teaching and preaching of uh, Philip as he spread the gospel. Again, called to be an evangelist. An evangelist is not a teacher. In fact, one minister told me one time in his very first First time to go out, he was called to be a missionary, but also called uh, to be an evangelist to the to, to these nations. As he went out and preached, and he said, "When I got back to the hotel, nothing had happened." He was so despondent and so broken before God said, God, you called me here and nobody responded. I ministered and no one came forward. No one received you. And he says, I came to preach the gospel. He said, the Lord spoke to him. He said, I said, preach the gospel. He said, I did preach the gospel. The Lord said, no, you explained the gospel. I said, preach it. And he realized something, a teacher explains it but an evangelist just preaches it. He got up the next day, went out to the same crowd again, and this time he preached it and signs and wonders started occurring. People started getting healed and they were running to the front to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is the ministry that Paul had as an apostle. When he first went into the cities, he came in first of all as the evangelist to win souls and later on established churches in those cities. Let's take a look at Acts chapter eight. We're gonna take a look at verses four through eight. And here we have again, Philip going out to the city of Samaria and preaching the gospel. Remember, Jesus has already laid the foundation. And even Jesus said to his disciples, the foundation was laid before this. Others have planted and watered. You've been sent to get the increase. Others came before you and preached. He said, you have built on their foundation. So Jesus built on the foundation of others that have gone there. And now Philip gets to go on their foundation plus Jesus' foundation and great things are gonna happen. Therefore, in verse four, Acts chapter eight, verse four, therefore, this is because of Saul's persecution, they who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then at Saul's persecution, 
Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many who were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, these are people that are paralyzed, and those that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. A true New Testament evangelist has signs and wonders accompanying the ministry. Philip operated in signs and wonders, saw the people say, but he also taught the new converts about water baptism and then saw them water baptized. But here's the point also. He was great at getting people saved. He was great at telling them about water baptism, but he was not great at getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna find out later on that this is where John was sent down and uh, to lay hands on them. And Peter was sent down and those two came down and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It comes down to this. Even though this guy was a great evangelist, we're not all gifted at everything. We can't do everything. This is where teamwork comes together. So Philip operated in signs and wonders. He saw the people saved. And then also he took the new converts and saw them uh, be water baptized and taught them the importance of water baptism. We have in these verses of scripture, the importance of that. Again, I want to thank you for watching and we're coming back right after the halftime here, right after the break and continue with this. But I want to say thank you to all those partners who support me month after month, month after month. And if you would like to become a partner yourself and support this broadcast, go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And thank you so much for loving the Lord, loving people, and loving this ministry. I'll see you right after the break. Have you ever wondered why some Christians who are obviously called and anointed by God never seem to move into the realm of success? We watch and wonder as they struggle, knocking on doors that never open, while others have opportunities knocking at their door. Why are so many called but so few chosen. God has a ministry for everyone, and He rewards those who are faithful to His call. Learn the keys to finding and walking in God's purpose for your life with Bob Yandian's book, Calling and Separation. The Calling and Separation book is available for $10 plus shipping and handling. To order your copy, visit our website at bobyandian.com. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by his Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yannian explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website 
at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. We began by telling you about Philip and also Stephen. Stephen was yesterday. How that what they did in the beginning of their ministry was exactly the same. Entrance into the ministry of the Lord is not you finding out what you're supposed to do. It's you finding out what needs to be done in the church. Just do something. Again, find a position to do something, not a paid position. Because again, as a deacon, there is no paid position. Just do it because you love people and you love Jesus and don't care if you get paid. Your greatest reward is seeing a life change because you were there to open a door for them, to bring them to a seat, to take care of a child, to take care of a young person, and maybe see that young person saved, or maybe somebody coming through the door, you had a proper word for them at the moment. This is your reward. But again, we all start the same way, but then after that, the different calls come. And the call for Philip is to be an evangelist. Stephen was a teacher. But let's take a look here at Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. And it says in Acts 8, 12, here, uh, Philip preaching the gospel, then baptizing the people. When they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. All the new converts were water baptized. And Philip saw the importance of this. Again, I don't want to minimize this at all. If you've been born again, but you've never been water baptized, water baptism doesn't save you, but tells everybody around you you've been saved. It is an outward display of what's happened inside of your heart. By being taken and baptized underwater, what you're saying was, I've been identified with Jesus Christ and his death and burial. Going under the water is a type I've been buried with him, but coming back out means I have been quickened and risen to newness of life. Then as you walk off, you walk off in newness of life. So it's simply displaying to people what has happened. It is something that people can see with their eyes, hear your testimony with their ears that you've accepted Jesus as the savior of your life and the Lord of your life. And when you're water baptized and come back up, you're displaying this to people. There is no salvation in ritual, but ritual points back and helps to explain the miracles that has happened to us in our life. So here we have Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And then he baptized the men and women that accepted Jesus. So Philip baptized them immediately after they confessed Jesus Christ as their savior. But we find something else that I mentioned before the break, and that was Philip was not gifted in seeing people, new converts filled with the Holy Spirit. So the church at Jerusalem heard about all this, rejoiced in it, which they're not gonna do it later. They hated Samarians, but you know what? Since Jesus Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, there was no way they could gripe about this. And so they had to accept these new converts in. But later on, when it goes beyond that to the uttermost parts of the earth, they're going to chew out Peter for going there, bring back Paul a number of times and chew him out. And legalism will start to come back into the church of Jerusalem. But right now they are open to these new converts. In Acts chapter 8, Verse 14 through 17, when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. This is the infilling. This is the Holy Spirit coming upon them. It says in verse 16, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say here they spoke with tongues, but you 
go to Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit came on them, they spoke with tongues. Acts chapter 10, in the house of Cornelius, when the Holy Spirit fell on them, they spoke with tongues. Acts chapter 19, at the upper coast of Ephesus, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Again, this one fits right in there with all of them, that when they laid their hands on them in verse 17, they received the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit already lived in them at the new birth, but now he came upon them for power. So Philip was then called to go to the desert and win one key man to the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this passage of scripture. You know what? Philip didn't have an ego problem. He could minister to thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people in Samaria, then be called from there to go to preach to one man. This one man's gonna open up an entire nation. But again, we have here the importance of it that Philip had no ego problem. When he appeared, when he found himself on this road and found this one man, he went and preached Jesus to him and had and loved doing it. You know why? Because he didn't care if he stood in front of a multitude. All he cared about was doing the will of God. And Jesus Christ didn't die for multitudes. He died for every individual, even if they're one at a time. So in Acts chapter eight, let's take a look at verse 26 through 27 here. Philip meets the Ethiopian secretary of the treasury of that nation. Verse 26, and the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. This man was going back, but this man was open. And he'd come here and come to the nation here and come to Jerusalem to worship, but probably ended up at all the places where the Pharisees were, stood around the temple, saw all this wonderful things that were there to teach about Jesus, but didn't ever find out about Jesus. No one taught him about Jesus. And so it comes back to them, God cared for this man. This man had an open heart. This is where individual salvations takes place, and this is also where revival begins. If there's one person crying out for God, God has to send a person to them to tell about Jesus Christ. So God cared as much for this one man as he did for the multitudes that just got born again in Samaria. Each one of us can win thousands of others, but sometimes it's one at a time. Each individual one of us can win one at a time. And if that's what we do, then all of us put together can outrank any man, any woman who preaches in front of thousands of people at a time by all of us doing our part. The Ethiopian was very influential in the government of his land. He'd gone to Jerusalem in search of understanding. He thought he was going to the home of David and Solomon, the temple and the presence of God, and all he found was religion and legalism. And on the way back was just questioning, I wanna know, I wanna know. He still had questions as he rode home. And God sent Philip to bring answers and to bring to him eternal life. And Philip took the same verse that this man was reading from in Isaiah. The man was riding along, had a Bible in front of him, a scroll, and was looking through and found these verses in Isaiah. And, and Philip started at the very same verse this man was reading from and preached Jesus from it. You know what that tells us? The Old Testament is designed to teach us about Jesus. Every type, every shadow, every story, every promise given is to help us understand the coming of Messiah. His name is Jesus. Take a look with me at verse 35 through 38 here in Acts chapter eight. Now it says in verse 
35, then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached to him Jesus. And when they were on their way, they came to a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? I want you to notice something. He included the fact you need to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, but to prove it in front of me, you need to be water baptized. And, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, what? Yes. I think sometimes we, we literally forget that and we bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ, but we don't tell them about water baptism. You need to show people. Again, water baptism doesn't save you in front of God, but it does in front of people. God knows I'm saved by the faith in my heart, but people know I'm saved by the works that I do. And the first one should be after you receive Jesus, be water baptized. And so in verse 36, as they went their way, they came to certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So in the verses of scripture, and then immediately following this, look at verse 39. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. He disappeared. That the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. This is where he will spend the rest of his life, in the city of Caesarea, and he'll settle down there. We're not told anymore about him going out and preaching, but I'm sure he did. But his center of activity and center of ministry was in Caesarea. So just as in Samaria, Philip preached the importance of water baptism immediately after salvation. And salvation was by believing Jesus is the son of God and water baptism, the outward act showing his faith before others. And I'm sure that it went right on. When Philip preached anywhere, he probably had a place for them to be water baptized in front of everyone. And so again, he went to Azotus and then ended up finding in the city of Caesarea. Azotus was the ancient city of the Philistines called Ashdod, 20 miles up the coast from where he was. And Philip remained in Samaria after that. And here he was married, had a family, raised his family and ended up with four daughters who followed in his footsteps. And those four daughters ended up being prophetesses. They prophesied and actually ended up later in Acts 21 prophesying to Paul about he shouldn't go to Jerusalem. And, and before that, uh, others around Paul, but they kept going up the uh, chain of command. What I like about this is, first of all, Paul knew in his own heart, the Holy Spirit said, don't go. But he, he said, no, I am gonna go. He said, and I know that the Lord seems to be telling me this, but you know what? I'm ready to die for the things of God if I have to die. And he didn't have to do that. He was told not to go back to Jerusalem by these others that came to him, but also now by the four daughters that prophesied, don't go to Jerusalem. And then finally, even his own disciples came to him and told him. And then finally, Agabus came to him and said, do not go to Jerusalem. He said, you'll be bound and you'll be put into prison. And that's exactly what happened. So Paul did, he disobeyed all this and disobeyed God and disobeyed the prophecies given to him. But part of that was four daughters here of Philip. And notice what it says in Acts chapter 21, verses eight and nine. And the next day, we who were with Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea and we entered into the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven. It goes back. You'd never are separated from the way you started, one of the seven, and they stayed with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy, prophesy or who did prophesy. Philip apparently continued to evangelize, basing himself out of Caesarea. Then Philip's daughters 
followed in the ministry and prophesied and again operated in the supernatural just like their father had. What a great heritage to know that not only have you found Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've led many to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and your children after you will carry on that a beautiful message and continue on with that wonderful anointing and call that was on your life is translated to your children. They may not stand in the same office you do, but you know what? They know the same Jesus Christ, the same word of God, the same power of the Holy Spirit, and this is what it is. Again, I come back to it. You may not know what your calling is, but you're not to sit around waiting on it. Just get busy being faithful, operating with God, working with people in the church, just doing whatever your hand can find to do. And then there'll come a day when not only will that calling come to your life, God will can eventually separate you into it and send you out just as he did with Stephen and just as he did with Philip. I'll see you tomorrow. Many years ago, I wrote the book called God's Word to Pastors, and now I have updated it. Many new things I have seen from the Word of God applied into this book, and you're going to be greatly blessed by it. I'm called to be a pastor. I trust you are too. And you will want to get this book and become greatly impressed by what Paul had to say to pastors in Acts chapter 20, as well as what Jesus Christ has to say to you today. This is my book, God's Word to Pastors. To order your copy, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.